This program is brought to you by Grand Valley State University. Well, we're talking today with uh, Lou Arnold of South Bend, Indiana. She was a player in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. The interviewer is Jane Smither of the Grand Valley State University Veterans History Project. All right, now, Lou, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, for instance, where and when were you born? I was born in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. In what year? Na 1925, May 11th, 1925. Okay, and they have you in the book as being born in 1923. So I mean 23. 23, there you go. Yeah. Just checking on that. That's about the one time I can check, catch you up on Good. something, probably. All right. Well, I said five. You're born in 23, all right. And did you grow up in Pawtucket, or did you go somewhere else? I'm the 13th child. That's why my, my, my number is 13 on my uniform. Mm -hmm. I, I was born in Rhode Island and in Pawtucket and brought up in Rhode Island. Okay. And what did your family do for a living? My, my father one time was uh, head of the cemetery. Mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't know what they called him, but he, he was the head of the cemetery and took care of when people came and be buried. Okay. And my mother never worked. Mm -hmm. And my father also taught woodwork in school for a while. Okay. And so was he able to keep his job through the Depression? No. Matter of fact, we lost our home through the Depression. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was only young then. Mm -hmm. And I had all the kids in the neighborhood come over. Come over, they got a red flag in the house. Everybody told me, hey, Lou's got a red flag in the house. We didn't know. My mother went to New York, and I had no idea. And that's what it was. They were auctioning it off. Wow. Yeah. It's right. something you remember. All right. And then did you stay in Pawtucket and just live somewhere else? Or? No, I stayed in Pawtucket, and I played softball. Mm -hmm. Started playing softball for the Hopeless Milk Maids, and we won championships in softball. Then we changed it to different names, you know, the townies and some of the okay. different names. And they were all farm gals but myself, all from Rehoboth, Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. Now, how did you hook up with them? How did you wind well, up playing for them? They were, they were playing at a ballpark one night, and I went to see them. And my brother-in-law's brother was there. He said, Lou, you ought to get in and play ball with them. I said, oh, I don't know. You know, I just pick up. So anyhow, I went to the, not a tryout, but I went to the team to try with the team. And I played shortstop ever since the first time I went. All right. For now, years on it. Now, had you been playing a lot just around the neighborhood before? No, not, not too much. But I had a brother that used to pitch to me, knock mm. me up to the, to the garage all the time, you know. But no, I played catch with my brother. But... Uh, it wasn't, that, that was a team, I think I was 14 or 15 when I started on that team, and I stayed with that team as right. long as it. Okay, and you stayed with that team. Now, did they, did they pay you, or? Oh, no. No, no it was just, just an amateur thing. Matter of fact, but one thing we did do, we played in Boston Gardens on maybe every other Friday night, and that's something that I don't know of any other team. Now, Mary Pratt might have, I don't know. But we used to go to Boston Gardens on a Friday night, and that's the, that's, the, that's the old indoor arena and that in was Yeah, and that was a big deal to us, you know. Mm -hmm. We used to go and, yeah. Now, would you get a crowd to watch you play? Or? They, they had a pretty good crowd there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So how was it exactly that you wind up uh, joining the Professional Baseball League? Well, I was, I was with the uh, Townies then. We changed it to Townies. And we were playing the Sailors at Newport, down at Newport. But, of course... They had to have a girl pitch in, because our girl pitched. Two women pitched against each other. Mm -hmm. And so we were there, and we played, and we had a good time. And when we come out, this man walked up, and he said, uh, 
Hey, Lou, he said, how would you like to play professional baseball? And I said, oh, wonderful, yeah, yeah, you know, never, never known. Well, he asked myself and three other girls. He asked four of us. Well, the other three went to play, and they called me and went, oh, Lou, you should come out, you love it. Well, you know, at the time, I had a boyfriend. In service and stuff like that, you know. So anyhow, I hesitated. Then finally, I said, "I think I'm going to go." Well, my mother was a little upset, you know, and my father was too. But anyhow, I went, and I remember I took the train and went to Opalaka, Florida. That's what they had the try at the spring training. Okay. And that's where we and we had um, old barracks for for you know staying in and all that. Right. And uh, it, was, it was very good, but it was, I don't know if you saw the movie, but it was like in the movie, you know, you get playing, get playing a game with different people, and all of a sudden they have the roster up, you know, the thing up to allocation last year, you know, and you go up and look at it. And it's sad when, say you were next to me and I got on, and you know, we just got to be good friends playing, and you're next. And, she couldn't make it. She didn't make it, you know, and she's crying. I'm crying. I'm crying for her and all honest. But it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. All right. So were you trying out for which team? Just trying. They were going to pick, pick us for a team, and uh, the Blue Sox picked me, and I stayed with them okay. all the time. And that was the South Bend Blue Sox? Yeah, all right. South Bend Blue Sox. Now, at this time, now you said you had been a, a shortstop. A short, I almost flipped when I got out there, and they said, you know, they had a man that worked with you on pitching. Mm -hmm. They said, we're going to make a pitcher out of it. At the time, you know, I had a, a pretty good arm. You know, with shortstop, you could throw him over pretty good. And I think that's what made them think that I'd be a wonderful, wonderful pitcher. Well, I don't think I was a wonderful, wonderful pitcher, but you did, as they said, you know. And they, the man works with me and everything a lot. So that's how I got the pitch. Never, never played another position on a team. Never got the chance. Right. Well, what they were doing with you is what they, they will do with, with professional male baseball players. They may start at one position, but they say, well, you have the skills to go over here, and that's right. what we need. And so shortstops can become pitchers for the very reason that you did. Right. They had good arms. So you had right. a good arm, and you learned to pitch pretty well. Now, well, I, wasn't, no, I, was, right. I don't feel I was a star or anything. Now, at the point when you joined the league, uh, this was the point where they had gone to overhand pitching. Mm -hmm. uh, if they had still been doing underhand or sidearm, would you have done that? Oh, I'd have, I'd have worked on sidearm if they wanted me to, but I went out <laughs> for shortstop, mm -hmm. you know. And when you were shortstop, the shortstops pretty much, they would all be throwing overhand normally, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. Throw fast. Yeah. Okay, so that, that was a little bit more natural. softball, you have to throw that ball over there, you know, for shortstop. Now, how was the game you were starting to play, how was that different from the softball that you'd been playing back up in New England? I never played softball here. Okay. The, the year I came out, 1948, they went over to Right. What I'm asking was, how, how was that baseball different from what you had been doing in the amateur league? Well, one thing, the bases, you know, were farther apart. Mm -hmm. And the pitching mound was <laughs> a little way, too. And... It, it was really exciting, to be honest with you, although I loved softball. And it was hard to pick between the two of them because I enjoyed myself at softball and I played every single game, you know, every single day and that night that we played them in. Now, and, uh, 
Were you a little bit older than some of the yep. other women? I was 25, I think, when I went in, or 24, something like that. I, I'm 86. Mm. Come on. Okay. One of, I, think, I think it was 85. So 86. Yes. Oh, 30, 25 or 26, I think. Right, okay. Now, did that make you kind of almost a mother figure for some of them? Would you do things no. to help some of them? Oh, trust? yes, yes. Oh, yes. And, you know, and I used to talk to even the, sometime we'd have a girl school. Uh, no, not a girl school. But one time I was back home and going to the gym, and this girl said to me, Oh, I said, I never do anything but scorekeeping. And boy, I really told that kid, I said, You know, if you didn't keep the score, nobody would have their average. Nobody would know what they're hitting. I said, You're just as important as the girl that gets the home runs. That kid, she looked at me and had to say, Are you crazy, lady? You know, I said, I'm serious. And it's true, no matter what, even if you carry the water, you're carrying it for someone to get a drink, and it's going to help them to either get a base hit or strike somebody out or throw somebody out. No matter what you do, it's, it's professional. And, phew, I couldn't believe, you know. I, I remember, I think the first time when I made $65 a week. And I left a job that I earned $13.75 a week. I made more than some of the superintendents back home, you know, I mean, it might sound crazy, but it was a lot of money a week. Now, what did you do with your money? Well, I sent money home to my, to my mom, and uh, a lot of them went to college, which was a very smart thing. A lot of the ballplayers are college graduates, but I never went to college or anything. Okay, that gets a little farther in the story. What, do you remember making the trip up to, to South Bend and, and then arriving there and looking around? Well, not too much. I'm, I, I remember I went on a train from Rhode Island to Florida. And, you know, never being out of Rhode Island, it was really, really, whew, I was afraid someone was going to grab me, I don't know. But when you got there and you met all the gals, you know, and they... No one, you never knew what team you were going to be on. You, didn't, you wouldn't, didn't even know if you were going to be picked. But it was a wonderful time. And what an experience from a kid, you know, from Rhode Island. It, we just never went. Maybe Boston was the farthest we went, if we went there. And it was, what a thrill. Just absolutely. You know, sir, I'm going to tell you. Ever since I played ball, from the first night I joined... South Bend Blue Sox. I have never, never in my life missed a night without thanking God for that opportunity. And I'm 86 today. That was a, that was a wonderful time of your life. And I'll, it was the cleanest league. Not that I was in dirty leagues or anything, but that was one of the cleanest leagues you'd ever want to be in. It makes you proud if you never get off the bench just to be there. It, and the, the Gals were just wonderful to me, absolutely wonderful. And I was so scared, you know. But it didn't take long. It didn't take long on getting with them and everything, you know. Now, how much sort of uh, support did they give you? Or were they still using chaperones? Do they still have a lot of rules for you to follow? Oh, yeah, the chaperones were very, very good, though. Oh, yeah, we had to be in by like 11, 11, 30, or depending on what kind of game it was. 
and you weren't supposed to wear sh uh, shorts or slacks off the bus, you know, or anything like that. We had to have, we had to, uh, we wore shorts on the bus because it was so warm. So, and we had skirts that we put on. You, you wore skirts almost all the time because you couldn't go out any place and, unless you, you know, kind of sneaked out a little bit. And if we went to the park to have a hot dog roast or something, we'd all be in shorts or slacks or something. But that's a little different. Now, where did you live when you went up to South Bend? I, I lived at, um, well, it was part of, no, I guess it was still some Mishawaka. I'll say South Bend, that's where I lived there most of the time. But were you living uh, in some In the houses, in, in homes. And when you went, somebody had to take you, the rookie, somebody had to take you as their roommate, one of the older ones, you know. That one, someone that wasn't a rookie, right? And, and that's how you—that's how you got into a, a room with someone. Okay. And do you remember who your first roommate was? Her name was uh, Thompson, but I can't think of her last name. I think it was Thompson. I'm not sure. And then did you have different and, roommates? And I wasn't with her too long. We, you know, they they trade traded like crazy, but I had wonderful roommates. Wonderful roommates. Yeah, and and landladies and. They would just, they'd have pies made for us and, and lots, you know, they were, we were really treated wonderful. But never, I worked at Bendix for 30 years, and I never, <coughs> even said I played ball. There's maybe five of us worked at Bendix, none of us ever mentioned playing ball. When they found out we played ball, they went insane. Lou, you never told me you played for the South Bend Blue Stocks and stuff like that, you know. To us, it was wonderful and not private, but meant, well, to me, it meant so much. And I just never felt it was a star or anything. But I used to pitch to the stars, and they got better, you know, by hitting the ball. That's what I told the girl. I said, one gal came in, she said, Lou, I never get to do anything. She said, I, sometimes I throw it at the back. I said, you know. I said, if they didn't have you to throw to them, how are they going to keep their eye on the ball? I said, you mean a lot to them, and don't think you don't. You know, and don't be that way. Don't feel that way. And it helped a lot. And who, who was I to tell them? But that's my opinion. I mean, I mean, that's how I felt. And I got wonderful, wonderful friends out of it. Well, I will tell you that as we were organizing this set of interviews and so forth and planning to come, even before we got here, Again and again, people said, you have to talk to Lou Arnold, which means those, they those, did. those friends of yours are real friends. They all thought, yeah, she's oh, someone I'm going to talk to. I'll tell you, sir, I can't, I know I get very touchy about it. You can't believe the friends I got out of this league. I just can't believe it. And I feel that I could call any single ball player that I know and I've met, you know, off the ball field now, or they could call me and they'd give me their last time, just I'd give them, I'd give them my last time. Mm -hmm. All right. Now let's shift gears a little bit. Let's go into the actual business of uh, playing ball. Uh, how many games would you play, do you think, in the space of a week during the season? Oh. Oh, if I played one. I, I, never, I never played too many games. I, I don't feel like I played too many games, but I was always in the bullpen. Marty McManus used to let me go to the bullpen every single night. He used to tell me to go there. And sometimes I'd come out and I'd do all right, and other times I'd go out and I wasn't so good, so they put someone else in. But 
Did you start a lot of games, or were you mostly? Oh, I started a few. Oh, yeah, I started some games. Well, and some I stayed in, and some I had to come out. Well, you did have a season when you went 10 and 2. Oh, that was, yeah, that was 51. So how, how did that happen? Were you just, did everything just work right for you that year? Or? Yeah, you know, I had a one-hitter in that year. Mm -hmm. Gene Fonda had, had pitched a perfect game, I think, the day or two before, and I was going for a no-hitter. And this girl had got the hit. It was, you know, Texas League, you know what that is. But that team played behind me like they were shot out of a cannon. They caught everything and stopped everything and threw everybody out and all that. So it ended up a one-hitter. And I was so thrilled about it. As a matter of fact, Bonnie Zoss was a wonderful, wonderful umpire. And I was pitching to this girl who wasn't the best hitter. And I remember I went to Bonnie and oh, he called a strike a ball, which meant a lot because it would have not had her a chance to get this Texas leaker. So I walked up to the thing. Of course, my catcher was yelling at him. I said, Bonnie, I want to tell you something. He said, yes, Lou. I said, no. I said, you are going blind. He said, Lou, I want to tell you something. You go back to that mound, and I'll show you how blind I'm getting. Yeah. <laughs> I think he gave me a break on a couple of them after that, though. Okay. I don't know. Now, in this league, did you have a regular set of umpires that you kind of— Yeah. Gadget Ward and Bonnie Ross and, well, those are the two I remember because we had them most, mostly, and I can't remember the ones out of town. So there were umpires who lived in, in or near South yeah, Bend? Yeah, yeah. I believe they both lived in South Bend. Right. They were both good umpires. But Gadget, you know, if you said one thing, boom. Well, on the whole, do you think the players in your league were better behaved than, say, modern male baseball players? Uh, in terms of arguing with the umpires or challenging them? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. They were. And instead of giving, you know, certain signals to the crowd if they're booing or something, they, they never, no. Did you feel as if you, you had to be, in a way, better behaved than the men? Or? No, I don't think any of us ever gave it a thought. Okay. I don't think any of us ever gave that a thought. You'd be surprised at the women that came out. How good living women, I mean, and of course we all wanted to win, you know, we'd ride, ride the other team and everything. But uh, I cannot say any bad things about the women. And not because I played with them, because I was on the South Bend Blue Sox, and I never went to another team. We met some gals after, you know, and we'd go to the show, or not the show, and go and have something to eat, which was really against the rules. But the manager kind of knew, you know, and maybe we'd meet someone on another team and go and have uh, something with after the game, but that's all. And who was your manager while you were there? My favorite and first manager was Marty McManus, the Red Sox. Remember, he had the Red Sox. Then I had Dave Bancroft. Then I had um, Gene Fout's husband. His name wasn't Fout. I can't think of his name now. We won with him. Mm -hmm. But Marty McManus, well, he was a sweetheart. Oh, he was so good. Really good. Now, did you learn from the manager or from the coaches? Did oh, you... yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Mannheimer, you know, read off on the bases and stuff like that. And, and could they help you with your pitching? Or were you oh, yeah, I had a, my own, not my own, but we had a pitching yeah. coach that worked with us, you know. And uh, I don't even know his name now. Do you remember what, what, nice what kind of pitches you could throw? Oh, drops and curves and change-ups. And, and today I can't pick up a pencil. <laughs> mm -hmm. But really, it was a... And not only... Now, I someone would throw a double, double drop and double curve. Gene Falk. Gene Falk, to me, was the greatest of great. I mean... Even if she pitched the game, and we had a double header, and someone was going, he said, "Coach, said, Gene, you go in and play third base. Never let go. Never, never, never move. Never said a word. But went right in. Never balked at all. Went right in." Yeah. All right. When you were going good, when you were pitching well in a game, how, were you getting people out by changing speeds and locations and fooling them, or what were you doing? I don't know. They were just missing. I can't remember what I did. But, uh, but I, I had a little skill, but I didn't have to meet what the others had. And I'm not saying that because, oh, you're trying to be nice or something. It's true. I really don't don't know, but I'm so thankful I was, I was able to stay there. Um, let's see. Now, you mentioned you started off by going down to their spring training. Did you go down yeah. to Florida for spring training every yeah. year? Uh, no, the next year we, they started having it in, in South Bend. Mm -hmm. And some of the team went to um, oh, over overseas there. They went there for a while. I'm sure they told you about that. Well, some had been to Cuba a little bit earlier. Cuba, yeah. Cuba, yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad I didn't have to go there. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Now, what kind of fan support did you have? Did you get a lot of fans coming to the games? Wonderful. I remember the first game. I was there, and we walked up the old South the field starting because we had the skirts on, and I, I could still hear this guy up in the stands. Oh, look at the outfits. Hey, oh, oh, ladies, ladies. Well, he, the, I think about the third inning, he started, he couldn't believe those ladies sliding and everything. And he'd come to every game. He was really impressed. But I can, I can still sit there and he'd say, beautiful, if they made a nice play, beautiful. And it's, you know, it, it's, well, it had a change because those women would slide and they'd come in, we'd call them strawberries, and they'd have a strawberry all the way down that leg, blood run. And we'd stand in front of it and fan it, those that we were playing, while the uh, chaperone put Mathiah laid on it. They'd wrap it up, they'd go right back out. They had to slide again, they'd slide. Now, since you were a pitcher, you probably didn't have to slide too much, did you? No. All I had to try to do was get the first base. Sometime I did. Maybe on a walk, I don't know. I don't remember much, but... Okay. Uh, now, you were on the team when they won two championships. Uh, what do you remember about Guy Kennedy? Well, how did they do a championship series? Did they have... Did you have playoffs with a lot of teams, or just no, the two best teams? Play, no, playoffs, it starts like, I wish I could, honestly, I wish I could think of what the name of it was. And it starts, maybe there's uh, six teams in it, or, you know, enough. And then three, uh, four teams will play, and it gets down to two. 
and when it gets down to two, that's the big challenge, and that's what that had, I think that was either three out of five or four out of seven. Okay, so you had a, a, real, a real series, kind of like a World Series or yeah. something like that. Yeah, oh yeah, that, it was a series, but I'm trying to think of the name of it, but I can't. Okay. Now, um, how was the, now the, in one of those championship seasons, didn't you play shorthanded? Yes. Can you explain a little bit what, what happened there, why you didn't have all your players? Well, I really don't know. You probably heard the story from somebody else, but this girl who was an excellent second baseman came in and it was the close to the ninth inning and we were leading. And it was, I think it was the ninth inning and we were leading. So she said on the bench and she took her shoes off. Well, the manager was on third base and he turned around and saw her take her shoes off. He said, hey, shorty. I want you to run second base. She said, oh, she said, take Betty Wagner. She can run as fast as I can. No, I go, no, no. She said, I said, get in and run. I said, oh, she said, Betty can do it like this. He said, you're out. He said, you don't need to come back. So when he said that, three or four others said, if you let her go, I'm going. So we ended up with, uh, oh, maybe seven, eight, nine players, something like that. Where we had 15 all the time to start. And that was a shame because they were all good ball players and they walked out. But you still managed to win the championship. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have to And that was a, a big, that was a big deal, you know, everybody. That was neat. Now, over the time that you were playing in South Bend, and that's 1948 to 52, uh, did the crowds eventually start to get smaller? In in 52, they were, they started to get small because they gave, they, they, you didn't have to have the gas tickets anymore for gas. And they started, see a lot of them were coming groups or by buses. One of our, one of our biggest games was a 4th of July game. I think we had 10,000 there that day. And they were sitting on, we had a grass that went up like this. They were sitting out in the grass out there and, and, uh, but we had a pretty good crowd. Well, you were talking about gas coupons. You mean gas rationing and yeah, and yeah. They, they, uh, when gas was raising there, they, and they, it, when the war was over, they gave, you know, they didn't have to have the, the ration that much, and they were able to drive. A lot of them used to come on a bus, or they'd come in groups, and a lot of them walked. Uh, do you think that the television had something to do with it, too? They could stay home and watch something and not come out and watch you? Well, I think, truthfully, in the end, yes, television, television, I think, well, they didn't really put us out, but like you said, you know, in the war, there's a lot of things that they didn't, they didn't do, and that, that's how the league started. Well, you know, if you talk to... Oh, the one in Grand Rapids, I know you interviewed her. The other young man told me he interviewed her. And uh, she wrote an article. It's, it's great, the beginning of it, how it started and stuff. Right. Well, that's why we're here talking to you, because this is part of the, as the Veterans History Project. We're talking to people who can tell us about different aspects of American life in wartime and things that happened because of it. Yeah, that's, and that's what it was, and that's how it started. 
because of Wrigley, he wanted to do something because so many young men were going, taken away, you know, going now, to full war. Now, at the time that you were recruited to come and join this league, had you ever heard of the league before? Did you know that there were women baseball no. players? No, I never heard of it. And that's when that man came up to me in Newport. Hey, Lou, how'd you like to lay, play professional baseball? You know, I said, oh yeah, I'd love it. You know, like that kidding with him. Never knowing that man was serious, and then he went to three others. Yeah. Bob it. Now, at the time that you joined the league, or wh while you were in it, did you think of yourselves as, as doing something maybe that was sort of new for women to be doing, or significant? Or was it only later? I wouldn't say any of us did. I think I don't care what team it was. I don't think there's ever a team of ladies in that league that didn't love the game and played for the love of the game. Because you know, you're something new. You play softball all your life, and all of a sudden this baseball comes out. And But I think they played for the love of the game. But a lot of them, like I told you, we worked at Bendix. Never, never mentioned that we played. And when the people found out, oh, Lord of mercy, they were shocked. Now, did they find out about this before or after the movie came out? Oh, before the movie. So at that time, no, they were... Well, because they, were, they started putting write-ups in the paper and that. And they read all the writers. But by the time I got, was working, maybe it was after the movie. I'm not sure. Well, when did you retire from Bendix? 1952. I, no, I, from Bendix, not from the, not from the Blue Sox. Well, I went, oh, not, well, uh, I went to Bendix in 1952, they you know, after, mm -hmm. the, after the league, after we finished the league. I went to Bendix October 6th, 1952, because we got a chance to get in there. Right. And then uh, I retired in 30 and out. Okay, so you would have retired then. Uh, 1982. 1982. And while it was, now was it while you were still working at Bendix that they began to talk to you about playing, having played in the league, or was it after you retired that they were oh, all paying attention? Oh, it was after I, uh, no, it was yeah. after I had yeah. retired and worked. You know, I was. We worked at Bendix for quite a while, five, six of us, maybe eight, and none of us ever mentioned that we played ball. It's just. I don't know, it's just something you're proud, but I just never said anything. Okay. Now, when you look back at it now, do you think that maybe you, you wound up doing something that was sort of kind of important, or that you were the, some of the first women professional athletes and professional team sports in this country? You know, because everybody is telling you that. I mean, now I'm giving you my own opinion. Everybody saying, do you know? I just met a lady now, and she said, you mean you play professional ball? She was going to a wedding in here. I said, oh, she said, I've got to congratulate you. I couldn't believe, you know. But professional, I never thought I would see a women's professional baseball team, and never thought I'd be on one. Never. And it was really, really exciting. And, you know, you know, you have to come home and do your wash, and you lived at private homes. And but they were the people were wonderful to me. They'd make cookies for us and different things and chicken and you know. When you you know think back to that time and stuff, are there particular 
events or things that happen to you that tend to come back to you that you haven't told me about here yet? Well, I don't know if you ever heard of, oh, God, I can't remember his name. He used to come to the ball game, up Notre Dame football games in an iron lung. Snight, Fred Snight, Jr. His father's a multimillionaire, and he used to bring Fred Snight to the Notre Dame football games in an ambulance, and they had the doors fixed, and when he opened the doors, it was all mirrored so he could see the plays. He's in, you know, in an iron lung. So we were coming home from Tampa, from where we had track. Uh, we were there playing the game after we had our spring training. And this man came up to our train, the one, our, our particular train where most of the gals went, and he said, is there anybody in here that sings Irish songs? And none of us knew who he was. So I said, oh, Lou, Lou. So there was myself, Joe Leonard, and uh, Slat Smile, I think, the three of us went. We were walking through the train. We really didn't know who he was. I said, oh, my, well, my son, my son would love to sing with you. So I'm thinking, yo, kid like this. So now we went back, and as we were going through this one train, it was full of oranges and grapefruits and everything. Then we got to the last train. The last train had a bay window. The whole back of it was a bay window. And then it had a railing like this, solid. Well, it was gold. And there he was in the iron lung. It was his wife and his two daughters there and a nurse. And I was, you know, I was floored because I've never seen anything like that. So, and they said, oh, look, I'll stand right aside of him. So I went over and I stood there and I said, you going to sing some Irish song? You know, yeah, you know, yeah. Because he was breathing, trying to breathe. And we sang songs till we always blew in the face. We just sang all the Irish songs we knew. And, we had a, and they come out with cookies and ice cream to us people there. But that was, that was an experience I'll ever forget. And then his father came, his father came up and gave us oranges, or asked us if we want oranges or grapefruits. Excuse me. But that was so touching and so thrilling. <coughs> and then when I'd see him at the game, <coughs> they'd have that backed up. And he could see both teams. So he would come to your games too, not. <coughs> no. You just mentioned he went to the Notre Dame football. He could. Games. He could never get the thing in our games. Mm -hmm. oh, but he watched but the Notre Dame football games. Every and his father's got a beautiful building there dedicated to him. Beautiful, Fred Knight Jr. Okay. Now, how did your own career end? Did you just decide to stop playing in '52, or did they tell you, well, you were about done? Oh no. No, I had an application in, for Bendix. Eddie Deloria, who was the head of the league for one time, uh, uh, I was the manager of our team one time, he said, why don't you put your name in for Bendix, Lou? He said, they, I think you're going to be hiring. So I went back home, then I got a telegram with a letter saying, come, it's a job for you at Bendix. And that's how I got into Bendix, by playing ball. And that's been, that's another thing I thank God for every night is Bendix. Very good money, very good insurance. Okay. Now, to look back on the whole thing now, how do you think that whole time playing ball wound up uh, affecting you? I mean, you've told us a little bit about that. 
did it make you a different person or just change the course that your never, life took? Never changed me a bit. It never changed me a bit, sir, but I never, never had so many friends that, you know, when we had our first reunion, this other ball player and I, Shirley Starbuck, we'd sit on the, in a chair like, well, not like this, a chair like you're sitting on, and watch people come in and wonder who it was. We were, we were hugging people we didn't even know. We thought it was a ball player. But anyhow, when we had our first thing, it was, I think it's sometime early 80s, I'm not sure just when that was, but it was in Chicago. And it was just fabulous. And ever since then, we've had, well, we used to wait a couple of years, now we have them every year. But that's, uh, I wish I could explain the feeling. When you see different ones, you know, oh, Louie, you're getting thin, oh, Louie, you're getting fat, you know, stuff like that. And, but it's true, I think you could ask any of them. I feel I could ask any of them if I needed something. And I think they feel like they could ask me if they needed something if I had it, or if they had it. One other thing that uh, one of the players had, had mentioned to me uh, about you, and that was that you had sort of helped some of them to just learn basically some sort of basic manners and learn yeah. how to follow the rules. Uh, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that? What could you do for them? Well, I don't know. You interview, did you interview Sue Kidd? Yes. Well, Sue Kidd, I even been down to her home. Her father had the grocery store, the, the post office, I mean, you know, right in, the, in Arkansas, Choctaw, Arkansas. And she came into the league. She was only a kid. And, you know, and she'd walk by her, you'd give her something. She never said, please, thank you, excuse me, or anything, you know. And I thought, gee, how strange that is, that girl. So we got to be pretty good friends. And I said, Sue, I want to tell you something. I said, it's not going to cost you a cent, but I want to tell you something. You better listen to me. Yeah, Lou. I said, yeah, Lou. I said, you should learn some manners. I said, because you're such a nice person and a good person. I said, manners would really show what kind of a lady you are. I, would, well, I didn't really work with her, but when she started coming by me, oh, excuse me, Lou, and oh, thank you, Lou. Well, it caught on, and she's very, very polite now. Very polite, and we were, I was being interviewed in some place on the radio in uh, Grand Rapids, I think it was, and she was, too, and the two of us. So here we were, I got interviewed and talked to the lady and sat back and waited for Sue, and Sue said, you know, I didn't even know how to say excuse me. She told the lady, said that I almost fell off the chair. Said that lady there taught me manners, and I'm sitting on a chair, thinking, "Oh dear Sue, please," but she and she's never forgotten that. She's thanked me different times, and I told her, "I'm proud of you, Sue. I knew you could do it." But, you know, she was just a hick from the sticks. But and she said that on the radio. I thought I would fall out of the chair. I thought, "Oh dear Lord, what a." But we're very good friends. Mm -hmm. Very good friends. Yeah, well, I knew to ask that because she told me about it. So I thought, okay, I'll Did she tell side. you? Yes. That's why I'm asking for your side. Well, I almost didn't tell you, yeah. well, to be honest with you. But, but I thought, oh, I don't want to mention Sue yeah. like that. But Sue's very grateful that you did it, and she put that on record herself. So. Oh. Yeah. And it just, it just supports what you've had to say about, about what a good bunch of people this is. Yeah, they were. They were, 
And once in a while, we would go over to the boathouse, boat club, I guess it was. It was right across the river from our ballpark. And some would play the slot machine, and we'd all jitterbug and have a swell time. But I, I really feel the manager knew it. But we always had to get back at a certain time, you know. I think he, I think he really knew it. I don't know for sure. But there's a lot of little things we did do. I mean, we went holier than thou, you know. Um, like picking up the gals at the hotel so they could come to that boat club and and uh, dance or or have a few beers or something, you know. And it really wasn't much much drinking in the league. Mm -hmm. Not much that I know of. Of course, I have the team I was on. It it wasn't. Well, let's see if there's any other interesting. But no, it's just been a. It was just. And you know, like now, not because I'm in an interview. I don't care if you never have to use it. To be honest with you, that that isn't the point. I think it's nice of you to ask me. It was nice of uh, Dolly to tell you. To ask me, and uh, but really makes me feel good to tell you what a wonderful league it was and it is. It's still a league to all of us, you know. Mm -hmm. well, it, it, it's we we've spent a, a fair amount of time now with, with, with your group here just just this weekend, doing quite a few interviews, and we have to agree with you. Uh, it, it really is a remarkable bunch of people, and so I'd just like to thank you for taking a little time today to come and tell me well, about Well, thank you for asking me, but I'm telling you, you found out for yourself, some of them are great, great people. That's right. Okay. Great. The preceding program is copyrighted by Grand Valley State University. Visit us at gbsu.edu.